Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Nightlight, everybody. So glad you could spend some time with us this evening. It's always special when we can get together with friends. First of all, I want to thank Ken Quiethawk for his amazing intro. You can find him and his wife, Deb, on their on the Internet. If you Google uh, Native Storytellers, you'll find them. They are an amazing pair who are pres- preserving history and tradition in a very unique way. It's important to understand a lot of the background of where we all came from, those of us who are indigenous to this land. Check it out. It's a great website. Tonight, I have Mary Joyce back with me again, and I'm so delighted that that we can spend one night a month talking and comparing notes. Mary has worked for two major metropolitan area newspapers as a feature editor, Sunday magazine editor, columnist, and artist. On the side, she's written magazine articles and books, and currently she's the editor of the Skyships Over Cashiers website, which features a variety of cutting-edge topics. Check that one out. It's amazing. Her career includes working for a Fortune 100 company, coordinating art and printing for talking children's books, and in that capacity, she worked directly with many creative teams including those at Marvel Comics, Golden Books, Mr. Rogers, Bernstein Bears, and Steven Spielberg's E.T. book, um, and and Spielberg's E.T. book staff. (laughs) Early in her career, she held promotional positions with the world's largest private printing company, an air pollution control agency, political campaigns, and a community college. Her books include Underground Military Bases Hidden in North Carolina Mountains, Cherokee Little People Were Real, Tangible Evidence of Jesus Left Behind for Us to Find, and her latest book, Bigfoot Beyond the Footprints. All of her books are amazing. They're they're coffee table books with lots and lots of pictures in them and, and a tremendous amount of fabulous information. Please check them out. Um, I highly recommend all of them. I've read all of them. My favorite was Bigfoot Beyond the Footprints, but that was just my favorite. You may, you may go in other directions. But in the meantime, welcome to the show, Mary. Hi there. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing very well, actually. I'm really excited about having you on once a month. It, just, it, gives, it gives me a chance to talk about a variety of topics that perhaps I wasn't going to hit on in any other way. <laughs> <laughs> I know that we uh, communicated before the show and kind of zeroed in on miracles, and I really think yeah. that uh, that's a really uplifting topic, uh, especially when we seem to be surrounded by chaos and confusion and just erratic behavior. You know, just turn on the news and you just get to see plenty of it. You, you do, and and I think most people don't realize that miracles are happening every day all around us. And and it's important for people, you know, it's important for people to understand that, you know, there are little miracles and there are big miracles. There are things that people call 
coincidences that are in in a way miracles as well and the more cognizant we are of the magic that happens around us the greater the magic becomes i mean we don't um, like to walk on water but you know i don't i can do that i can right? well i can it has to be frozen but i can oh walk i see okay <laughs> Anyhow, when I was giving some thought to this before we got on the air, I was thinking that, you know, people have become so cynical that sometimes the best miracle stories to share are those coming from, uh, that involve animals or coming from children because we all know that they aren't bringing their own subconscious uh, uh, background to a situation and creating things. Um the ones with the animals I find especially intriguing. Let me just start off with one and kind of give you an idea of the way my mind's working tonight. Uh, there okay. was a woman who, who was sailing in the Indian Ocean when her yacht exploded and it sank. And uh, it was a leisurely excursion and they were far from any shipping routes. So there she was out in the middle of nowhere. And suddenly three dolphins approached her, one from underneath, allowing her to grab hold of its body, <clears throat> the other two swam around circles uh, around the, them so that they would be protected from sharks. And this went on for many hours until they reached a buoy, and they left her there, and that was right along the uh, shipping route, and somebody eventually picked her up. But those dolphins carried her about 200 miles to get her to that buoy. That is amazing. And, and, and it, it, it does <clears throat> No, it, it does happen. Mm-hmm. But but dolphins 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 are a mammal, so that you know in some ways I think that they have um, a higher level of consciousness than than you know maybe your goldfish and your bowl and stuff like that. But they they have a community and they they have a um, a way of telepathically communicating with each other that is really quite profound. But but yes, to to have them. Save another species like that? Absolutely amazing. I've and if seen, people are I've interested seen... in the dolphins, I know we did a couple stories um, uh, with Joan Ocean. She's like the dolphin expert in the world. And uh, uh-huh. the communication level between uh, humans and dolphins can be quite amazing. They are absolutely very intelligent uh, and uh, can communicate with us uh, if we just give it a good try. Well, you know, it, it, that kind of communication is also something that we can do with with our our own pets. I mean, the, the telepathic link is there, and I, I think we have become so um, so steeled to you know the scientific this, and and we we cut ourselves off from um, the potential that we have as, as as a human species. I mean, our minds are amazing. We only use what six percent of them, and when you consider what what probably people who were way back in the past um they they utilized those techniques, the telepathy especially far more than we do today, and you know the the element of um you know having the phone ring and knowing who it is, or you know it's not a coincidence it's 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 personal magic it's our own sensitivity out there but you know when you talk about the huge miracles that are out there people that survive explosions that you know should have killed them that that man in the indy 500 whose car went up and did a circle and slid upside down and burst into flames he walked out of the hospital today i know the pictures were amazing it didn't look like anything was wrong with him and, uh, you yeah. know, when they, I didn't watch the race, but I certainly saw the replays in the news. I mean, it, it's amazing to see that kind of collision and to see anybody come out alive, let alone walk away in just a couple days. Oh, gosh, yeah. And when when I moved to Connecticut, the you know, I've been through hurricanes and I've been through lots and lots of different kind of storms. The only kind of storm that really terrifies me are tornadoes. Now, I don't know why, but, you know, if one has to be afraid of a storm, tornado seems to be my thing. And since I have been living here, a tornado has gone right down the street that's right next to my house. And then last year, another tornado went down the street right on the other side of my house. Didn't Mm -hmm. touch me. 
nothing and, and you know I sat here thinking it could have swerved it didn't I'm perfectly fine I'm perfectly safe and and the only thing it took it took down two huge trees but but I was fine and safe and and in many ways I sat here saying this is a miracle you know mm. on on either side of me the storm that I most fear has gone right on by and hasn't even stirred you know must my hair and, so has and your think, has your has your fear dissipated? Well, I'm not going to go searching one out, but I'm not as frightened <laughs> of them as once I was. You know, I don't want to be a storm chaser, and and I have to imagine. I have to also say, though I had a fear of the storm, when the one that went down the right side of my house went by, um, it was it was an incredible. You know. There was there was the thunder, there was the lightning, there was the sideways rain, there was hail. Now an intelligent person would have said, "This must be a tornado coming. Why don't you get under a table or something?" But no, I was watching out the window. I was so fascinated by it, and it went right on past the house, and lightning mm. struck uh, a, a tree and knocked it over on the house next to me. But I was perfectly fine. And when the other one last year went by, I stood at my window and I watched the treetops going in circles. Now that should have told me something, but I wasn't. I'm beginning afraid. to wonder about your common sense. <laughs> I wasn't afraid. I felt perfectly fine. And well, yes, you're right. Um, but but you know, it's an element of of. I think sometimes the universe does things like that that lets us know that. That you know, in some ways, we really are protected. That that um, you know, while while personal things, you know, and upsets do happen in life, the major ones um, do protect you. You know, you are we are protected in many different ways. Um, there have been times when, and and I, I I talk about stories I hear from from other people that you know somebody uh, one lady told me once that. She had no money, you know, above and beyond food and board, and she wanted to do a workshop so badly, and she really, um, there just wasn't the money for it, and, and it was something she really felt she would help her help others. And she she tried all, every way she could think of to sort of manifest the money, and it, it never came, and she finally said to me, you know, I have to accept if the universe wants me to go, the universe is going to provide for me. And she got a check in the mail from someone that she didn't. She had forgotten owed her the money, and the check was for the exact amount of the workshop. Uh, I think so that should be very encouraging to a lot of people, just to hear stories yeah, like I, that. I, well, but I think the important thing was she. First of all, the workshop was so she could help other people, which is a biggie, and and the second one was she finally stopped trying to manipulate and just allowed the universe to take care of her, and it did. That's and, a good story. And, um, you know, they're, they're out there, and everybody has these kind of miracles that happen in their lives. And quite often they don't acknowledge the fact that, that a miracle has happened. It's something, I call it magical, mystical, spiritual, but but they do happen, and we do draw them to us. I mean, haven't um, haven't you ever, you know? So, have you had any in your life? Oh my goodness, I wasn't prepared to ask that question or answer that question. Uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, though my, I don't think my stories are as interesting as some of them. Um, one of the things I wanted to share with you, which really doesn't qualify as a miracle, except it's more unbelievably wonderful. And it was a story we posted a bunch of years ago, and there was a man, um, uh, he's no longer living, his name was Lawrence Anthony, and he was known as the Elephant Whisperer, and he lived in the Zulu uh, bushland in Africa. Um, he he saved uh, rogue elephants, and uh, um, at some point after he had saved them, there were um, some violent rogue elephants that uh, disappeared. And one group of them went off in one direction, and another went off in another direction. And I don't think he saw them for like uh, three years. Well, when the man died, as if somebody had whispered in these 
elephant's ears, the two herds of elephants coming from totally different directions went um, uh, to where his home was. They marched for 12 hours to get there. And they stayed there for like two days and two nights. They didn't eat. They made these mournful sounds, and they kind of just slung their trunks back and forth. Um, And then after that, they both both herds uh, went back to where they came from. But it's like they came to mourn this man's death, and which his wife found very, very uh, comforting. How did those things happen? I think they can only happen if we realize there is um, a dimension of uh, spirituality that is beyond what we see. Well, I think, too, uh, I, I think it's the same story. I think they return every year on, on the anniversary I had of not, I had not heard that because, like, for three years, um, they nobody saw them. But they mm-hmm. made this trip back uh, when, you know, right when he died and... Uh, I think that's pretty special. It it is, and but you know, a lot of times, things like that are generated by love, and you know, certainly he he did his best to to provide for them, and that love was felt. And love is a very strong power, and and especially when when it's on a on a a lower level, you know, a non-tangible level. Um, animals do feel the love. Animals just know it. And elephants are very, very intelligent. They Right. They both both the elephants and the dolphins are very, very intelligent. That's true. But, but, you know, when you give something, when you do something out of love, quite often that love is returned to us in, in a way that might seem miraculous or unusual or profound and and lots of times you know in in our everyday life we have these coincidences that 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 our energy the energy within us helps to happen i mean there there are profound big things that happen certainly um you know people being able to walk out of an accident without a scratch on them um and and you, you just wonder how did that ever happen? Like that race car driver. Well, he had a few things that he had a few things that were jarred around, but but he he survived that accident. Now you can say it was because um, of all the safety equipment, and that's probably partially to to blame. But there there, there is an element of I, I truly believe when someone is meant to live to go to go longer than um, than. Other people think. Um, a number of days ago, I did a, a radio show with um, a man who wrote um, the last train, uh, the last train ride from Hiroshima, and he sp- he was speaking to people who had survived both the, the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And in Nagasaki, there was a doctor. His name was uh, Doctor Nagai, I think, and he had been suffering from leukemia before the bomb hit and he only had like six months to live at most but he survived the explosion he not only survived the explosion he survived into his 90s Mm. and and it was it was almost as if he was surviving in a way to stand testimony to what had happened and he he um built a very makeshift um house on on what was left of his house and he helped people he helped to connect people he was still a doctor he he took lots and lots of notes of how things were happening within the the, the environment and everything he wrote 40 books mm. and now that's a miracle absolutely because you know the radiation alone should have killed him and there was there was another doctor i forget which place it was but he um he survived the explosion and when he wore he wore heavy glasses and when he um went reaching down for his glasses and put them on he found that his eyesight was even worse he took his glasses off and his eyesight was cured hmm. i mean and That's he a did wonderful say afterwards he, he said he said um in an interview later on that he didn't recommend nuclear explosions to cure your eyesight <laughs> but it 
<laughs> seemed to help really him. Radical, yeah, a radical treatment for sure, but he never had to wear glasses again. Wow. That's a, that's an excellent story. Um, we just, uh, there's a I, I kind of want to tie together the importance of kids and belief and animals. You know, just kind of make a transition. And sure. normally I don't like to read things, but this is a word for word testimony that I got from a mother about her uh, son uh, healing a little puppy. And I think it's a good story. Will you uh, let, allow me to just kind of let her story tell the story sure okay she said um i'm just this is all her speaking when my son garrett was three and a half or four years old we had a stray dog that came on our property and gave birth to a bunch of puppies we intended to find them a home after they were weaned but during that time my son fell in love with one a little black lab he called junior well a male dog probably the father of the puppies bit Junior on the head. There was a puncture hole completely through the puppy's skull, and he was bleeding, salivating, and he couldn't walk. I really believed he couldn't survive. That happened on a Sunday evening, and the vet offices weren't open, so my husband decided he was going to wring the puppy's neck to put it out of its misery. Garrett, the son, started crying and accused us of not believing in God's ability to heal. He had heard it preached in church and heard us pray for people. He couldn't understand why we weren't praying for the puppy. He was adamant that this animal was going to be healed. So he and his sister took the dog to Garrett's room and locked the door so he couldn't get the puppy. Then they started praying for Junior. They even anointed him with cooking oil, right on the wound, I might add. That night I didn't sleep much because I felt like we were torturing the animal. But the next morning when I got the two kids to open the bedroom door, this little puppy walked out. He was walking normally, but his breathing was a little funny. With a hole in the top of his head like a whale, there was a whistle each time he took a breath. So we put antibiotics on the wound. He ate. Everything functioned normally. Eventually, the hole in Junior's head filled up, but for about six weeks, he whistled. After that, he always made a funny little noise. It wasn't a full whistle, but you could always hear him breathing. Junior went on to live an active, healthy life. So God healed this dog, which gave my son a supernatural faith, which he still has to this day. Oh, my goodness. I have an animal story. Okay, go for it. Um, when we lived, when I, was, when I was, oh, gosh, eight years old or so, the family lived in Minnesota, and we lived way out in the country. We had a house that overlooked the Mississippi, and, St. Paul and Minneapolis. You know, we were out in, in we were out in the country. There were three houses on top of this hill, and a dirt, I walked a mile on a dirt road to get to the school bus. My son never let me. I, he groans when I say that story, but it's true. And on that dirt road, there were a couple of houses, but not a lot. Um, and our German Shepherd was was beautiful. She was she was a gorgeous dog, and she went into heat. And um, it was her first heat, and my mother did her very best to keep her inside. And we found our house occasionally surrounded by a herd of dogs from all over the place. So, so her scent must have really drifted on the wind incredibly. Um, anyhow, there was a dog fight, and um, one of the dogs was killed, and the dog belonged to a lady who lived on that dirt road, but you know, quite, quite actually, quite a distance from our house. And and Zach eventually, um, the harlot that she was, got out and made friends with somebody. So she had a, a litter of puppies. She had, I think, three or four puppies. And you know, the woman whose dog died was devastated. She was just, you know, and, and she was angry. And I, you know, nobody could blame her. Um, but Zach had four beautiful puppies, not purebred, but they were four beautiful puppies. And one day my mother got a phone call from this lady down the road, and she was angry. She was, she was sputtering angry, and she said, this is not funny. Come and get this puppy. And my mother said, what are you talking about? She said, I have one of the puppies. Come and get this puppy. This is not funny. And my mother went and got the puppy. Uh, brought the puppy home, couldn't, you know, looked at my sister and I, and, you know, we just shook our heads. She said, yeah, right, you know. <laughs> and and 
about, oh, seven days later, this woman called again, furious. This is not funny. I'm going to call the police. Come and get this puppy. I don't want this puppy. I don't want to have a thing to do with you or your family or your dog. And my mother went and got the puppy and looked at us again, and she said, the lady's going to call the police on us. Stop doing this. And it wasn't but two days later that um, we got the call again from the lady, and she was crying. And she said, I'm so sorry. I just saw your dog bring me the puppy. And if Mm. it's okay with you, I'll keep it. Wow. And Zach had given her a puppy. Wow. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good story. Oh, yeah. Um, It was. She didn't give any of the others away, but that one she gave to the lady. Yep, and that lady had that dog for twenty years. Wow. The dog and she were bonded. Um, The dog went everywhere with her, and every time she saw, and Zach went down to visit every now and then and got treats down there, but every time she saw my mother, she cried. She Mm. said, "I can't believe the compassion your dog showed." And 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 the 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 fact that she she kept giving me the dog until I kept it. <laughs> wow. Well, that certainly softened her heart, didn't it? Did. And you know, again, that element of love comes in here. I I truly believe that that almost every miracle that happens happens because of love. I I do believe that that love on some level has has drawn the element of miracles into that person's um, energetic in their lives. And and quite often animals really do react and and do miracles on their own. I used to do a a meditation circle. I did it for 17 years. And usually there were 20 or 30 people there. And I had three cats. And it was very, it was really fascinating to watch because after we started the meditations, the cats would all come into the room and walk around the circle, and they would they would get on somebody's lap and just stay there for the whole meditation. And afterwards, people would say, I wonder why. Always different people. And it always turned out that they were on the lap of somebody who was going through an emotional difficulty at the time. And the purring of the cat helped them to feel better and relax. I don't remember the details of it. It's not an article that we did for the website, but there was a uh, there's been a situation probably more than one where um there was I believe it was a cat and when a person was getting close to dying it's like this cat knew they needed comfort and it would go uh-huh. um and and be in the bed with the person and uh, uh, apparently this cat uh, would repeatedly do this in different situations so I assume because I don't have the whole story in my head anymore, that it must have been a, a senior facility or a hospital or something where uh, a cat would have that kind of access. Well, you know, the, the Chinese, I've, I've heard that story too, and the Chinese um, believe that cats, um, when they lay on you, help to, to pull um, heavy energy from you. And... Um, when my mother passed away, my sister was really distraught and, and was sitting and crying. And, and one of my cats got up and, you know, literally hugged her, stood on her hind feet and hugged my sister. And and my sister stopped crying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I do believe that, that there is a a wonderful energetic there. And, I, I again, I believe it's love. I believe that they they fill a gap, they fill a hole. Um there's something magical about animals that is just profound. There's a, a rescue place here that, that she, she rescues any kind of animal that, that's out there, but basically mostly horses. And she, this lady uses the horses with autistic children because the horse can communicate with the autistic child and then communicate with her and tell her what the autistic child needs. And it's the most profound thing you've ever seen um, where if, a, if a, a regular person got on a horse, it might be skittish or whatever, 
But when they put the autistic children on the horses, they became gentle and quiet and peaceful, and they somehow sensed that the autistic child needed to be protected. And I've never seen anything like it. Uh, they use uh, horse therapy with uh, some of the uh, war vets, too, that have you know uh-huh. post-traumatic uh, stress, and um, it, it has a very calming effect on them, too. And haven't there been stories of, of dogs whose family has, families have moved and they they suddenly turned up thousands of miles, you know, at, from where they started from, and the dog is, you know, turns up a week or so later, having been able to follow them to wherever they were going. I know That's it's amazing. Where... There's been some where the animal has traveled almost the entire width of the country, and they show yeah. up at where the the family had moved to or whatever the situation was. And you just go, my goodness, how in the world could they do this? And uh, but you know, you, but know. you have you have a story in your Bigfoot book, um, I believe, isn't it that that there was a soldier that the Bigfoots rescued and cared for and then returned? Uh, yeah, uh, that was uh, uh, yes, that's true, and it it was an old Civil War story. Um, and the soldier had um, handwritten this, um, I don't know, like a summary of his whole war experience with the with uh-huh. the idea of preserving it for his family. And it was written on old paper in the old writing style. And he had been severely wounded. Um, essentially, he would have died, except these Bigfoot showed up. Now, they didn't know the term Bigfoot then, so this soldier called them the forest people, and they picked him up, carried him to a cave, and nursed him back to health. And uh, the story's much more involved than that, uh, but it's uh, quite, I mean, it's a very interesting story. Um, You know, I don't want to go off on Bigfoot stories on you tonight, but, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, that certainly certainly was a, a, a miraculous story. I mean, I would call that a miracle. Um, look at look at Abraham Lincoln. Um, no, wait, it wasn't Lincoln. It's one of the presidents that had his speech put in his pocket, and someone shot at him, and the bullet got stuck in the in the speech that he was about to give. I don't know that I can't one. Remember. Yeah, it was. Oh, geez, it may have been Roosevelt. I'm gonna. I'll have to go. I'll have to go dig that one up. When you figure it out, remember. send me an email, because <laughs> I really don't I will, know the story. I will. It sounds interesting. Yeah, they w- the president was was about to give a speech, and and this goes back to the uh, I don't know 40s or before, but he had a thick speech. He had folded it up. He had put it in his pocket, and someone did shoot at him, and the bullet got got caught in the um, in the in the speech, hmm. and. Where else was it? There was another story, too, about someone who had put um, a Bible in their pocket and, and a gun had been shot at them and the bullet was wedged in, in the Bible. I mean, those are miracles. So, you know, they're, they're, they're more than a coincidence. They're, you know, they're, right. Sometimes when things like that happen, you, you really know that there's a purpose for your life, which I think is very important, that there's a reason that you're here and you know, if it doesn't turn you to having a better look at life and, and people around you, then there's something wrong someplace. There's something wrong, um, absolutely. You know, you've emphasized very correctly that love plays a major part in so many of these miracles that happen. But there's another element of faith, and I'm not talking about um, anything churchy in a, you know, uh, in a box uh-huh. kind of religion. I'm just talking about a real belief in a in a spiritual dimension to life. And uh, that's important, too. Uh, The little boy that I told you the story about, Garrett, um, 10 years after he saved his puppy, he um, had a brain tumor. And, um, you know, they did all the testing, and they could see this big uh, uh, tumor. And he said, Mama, why are you worrying about this? God is going to heal me just like he healed Junior. And this little this little boy who was now thirteen believed that so strongly that he the tumor disappeared, and so they had proof before 
and after that it w- had been there and that it was gone. And um, so here, because of that little puppy episode and because of his faith, you know, he got a miracle for himself too. So it has well, a yeah, lot to do yeah. with the belief that you really think something like that can happen. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I do, um, you know, the big ones are profound and everybody stands back and goes, wow. But little ones happen too. I mean, the element of coincidence happens in our life all the time. And those are many miracles. Those are things that, that on some level our energy has helped has helped to happen but doesn't necessarily create it, but, but it flows in that direction. And I, I, I truly, so many people say, well, nothing ever happens to me. But these little mini miracles happen every day. And if you pay attention to them, you, you kind of, it's like a snowball. The more you recognize, the more they happen, the more they happen, the greater they get. Um, I know that, that uh, there have been uh, times when, okay, another miracle, I got, when I moved up here, I found that there was somebody who lived in a town close by who was called Barbara DeLong as well, and she ran a flower company. There's and two so of them? There's two. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and interestingly enough, we have the same middle name. Um, and wow. And so I, I went, when I moved up here 15 years ago, I, I went and met her. And, um, you know, we, 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 I wouldn't say we became close friends, but we knew about each other. And um, in the mail, a couple of years later, there was a letter that, you know, I got and I opened it. And I realized it wasn't addressed to me. It was addressed to her. And so I took it down to her and gave it to her and, and then recognized the date on it. It was 20 years old. Wow. And it, it turned out to be a letter from her father explaining why he had to leave her mother and desert her. And it took 20 years for her to actually get it. And that she hadn't talked incredible. to him at all that time. Wow. Yes. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. And, and, and so she contacted him, and they actually um, they were reunited over it. It was really amazing. Um, you just have to wonder and, why the delay. Yeah. I mean... But, but, how strange is that? I mean, she lived in um, Danbury. I live in Middlebury. Um, mm-hmm. And if I hadn't moved here, it wouldn't have been delivered to me, and I hmm. wouldn't have known about her. I mean, come on, explain that. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of lot of lot of things coming together for sure. And it, it's funny because every now and then somebody will meet her and say, "Oh, you're the psychic," and she said, "No, I'm the flower person." And and the same thing happens, you know, here is somebody will call me and want to order flowers. And I say, well, you you got to go to the other barber because I can't help you. <laughs> wow. Very interesting. Good story. Yeah. No, they happen. They happen to everyone. And I think sometimes people just kind of poof them off and, and don't under, don't understand just how how really amazing it is that things, you know, fall into place synchronicity, synchronistic in order for these things to happen. And sometimes you begin to learn some of these things through signs and symbols. I mean, really Uh simple things. For example, uh, all of a sudden you might notice that you're seeing all sorts of orange cars. Well, you get to an intersection where you have to make a turn. You really don't know which way to go, and there goes an orange car. Go with the orange car. I mean, sometimes there there are little things like that that you would easily poo-poo, but so often, at least for me, have worked out to be uh, uh, guiding signs, really. I think it's really important that we notice those coincidences in our life. Because mm, absolutely. Because if we if we start to really be more cognizant of, of how how things fall in place like that, um, you know, it makes us more and more aware that there is a greater scheme out there, that there is a greater pattern or, or network out there that that we have access to if we pay attention to it. Um, 
you know, every now and then I will answer the phone and know who it is and just say, hi, Charlie, or hi, so-and-so. And it's like, you know, how did you know it was me? And I just come back with, I've, I'm psychic. Um, forget caller ID because they usually just have the last names and that doesn't help me much at all. But, but you know, when you when you begin to work with these little miracles, bigger miracles really do flow your way. And it's... And- it's, and sometimes you need to test them, too, just to prove to yourself that they really work. Um, many, many, many years ago, I, I wrote a book called Psychics Don't Scare Me Anymore. And I interviewed <laughs> psychics from five states in Canada. And um, I got to the point where I would test myself. For example, This is a dumb example, but it you know, kind of proves something to me. I was driving down the road, a you know, country road, and I just all of a sudden felt like the person that was sitting, um, I don't know anymore, it was like she was sitting on the porch or sitting on a bench or something by this house. And I thought, she's really, really sad. Well, there was nothing that I really could do except at that point I circled back and slowed down and she was crying. So that was just like proof to me that I was picking up that feeling. Uh-huh. And, you know, that was like what I would call part of my training process of paying attention to things. Uh, that oh, was yeah. Buku's years ago. No, it's, it's, it's really important. And, and, and even, you know, if, if people are looking to, to sort of um, intensify this whole thing, if you write it down, you, you basically are, are engraving it in this reality, in this physical reality, you're acknowledging it and, for some reason, that increases them. The more perceptive you are as to what's going on and, and you know, where you're getting single signals from and, um, and, and just sort of the universe saying, hey, you know, there's more at play here. You know, don't feel that you're alone in a physical reality. There is a spiritual reality around you that, that you know, plays with you sometimes. But, but for the most part, it's helping you. It definitely is, is helping you. Um, I, I know that uh, I've had a lot of white animals coming to my to my deck here. I have a, a white squirrel that visits me all the time that's not an albino. I have a white skunk who visits not as often, thankfully, that is not an albino. And, you know, it's sort of like this is so unusual. Um, I have hawks that, craw- you know, fly over the house and, and yell at me. And it's kind of like, you know, okay, I'm getting signals here. What, you know, Give me either the owner's manual or or something like a dictionary so I can you know translate what it is you're trying to say to me because <clears throat> because sometimes you know you get these messages and you have no idea what they mean, but you know it's a message, so it, it does make one to see if they can't put you know some sort of uh i often say to people logic and reason does not apply to this situation and and it always does. You have to just search really deep sometimes to find it. And sometimes it's not until after the uh, something happens that you realize that you were given a clue. I'll, I'll give uh-huh. you an example of something that I couldn't possibly understand in advance. Um, Stephen Greer, who is uh, well-known in UFO circles uh, a number of years ago, was uh, going to be speaking in... Uh, Asheville, which is not that far from where I live. And when we called um, to find out about it, well, i I got to back up. During meditation, we got this this very simple thing. It just said, the horn man. Now, what are you going to do with that? That doesn't mean a thing to you. You can't turn around and do anything about it, the horn man. Uh Well, when we called to find out about this meeting... Um, Evelyn, who also works on this website with me, was making the call, and she got the person who was in charge of, of this in Asheville, and his name was Beck Horn. And all of a sudden, we knew that all this was connected, and since then, you know, we've told him the story, and we referred to him as our horn man. So uh, there's no way we could have made sense out of that in advance. It wasn't until the moment that something happened you go, oh, this must be the right track because here's the horn man. It just all clicked. Amazing. That is amazing. No, I, it, it, we get these 
messages and and I believe that a lot of the, the a lot of what we call coincidences are really signals from the spirit within us sending us something that that you know will either direct us or inform us or enlighten us in in symbolic ways or unusual it never comes right out and say says you know go left go right that would be too easy but but we get symbols like you said before and and if we take the time to interpret them i was driving on a on a a highway late at night um coming back from i don't know some class i was taking or giving forget which and i was cruising and suddenly i saw in front of me a brick wall right across the uh the road and it it i i may have even been dozing off but i saw this brick wall and i suddenly slowed down and not, not two miles down the road, there, there was a policeman waiting, you know, for speeding cars. Now I must have been cruising real good, eighty, ninety, in there someplace. It was a, it was an empty road, but I'll two be miles careful down, when you're around. <laughs> well, there was nobody on the road, <laughs> but two miles down, there was a policeman waiting for me, and um, I was going the speed limit when I passed him. Yeah, foot on the brake for probably the whole two miles. But when I cruised by him, I was I was definitely within range. But again, um, a signal to change, a signal to slow down, a signal. We get those signals, and and uh, you know, every now and then, you know, I'll see a signal of something, and and I'll ignore it, and then later on, I'll say, well, I knew better. <laughs> I got the message. <laughs> This is my fault, <laughs> but but it, it really is. Yeah. Usually, what we've been talking about is how we kind of get things as signs and symbols and indirect, but sometimes people actually hear a voice. And uh-huh. uh, I know there was one story that we posted on the website. If anybody wants to read it, it's just called the Gallon of Milk Angel. And this guy had been, um, I guess, at a Bible study class. And so he was wondering if God still really speaks to people. So he's driving home, and he's thinking these thoughts. And um, he said out loud, God, if you still speak to people, speak to me. I will listen. I will do my best to obey. And um, he had the strangest thought. And it it was a thought to stop and buy a gallon of milk. And so he said out loud, God, is that what you want me to do, buy a gallon of milk? (laughs) And, um, uh, and of course, he's going, this is crazy. And uh, But he went and bought the gallon of milk because he figured, well, he could always use the milk. And Uh so after getting the milk, he uh, was told, turn down that street. And the guy is thinking, this is crazy. But he said kind of half-jokingly, okay, God, I will. And then he was told, go and give the milk to the people in the house across the street. And he's going, these people are going to think I'm crazy because it's like nighttime and most you know, most of the lights in the apartments are, are off. And he said out loud, Lord, this is insane. Um, but if you want me to look like a crazy person, I will. And uh, the, the essence of the story is he went to the door this uh, young man uh, in jeans and a T-shirt answered the door and didn't look too happy about having a stranger on the on the porch. And basically the guy gave him the gallon of milk, and the man disappeared for a second. He came back, and his wife was there with a crying baby, and they had no money left. The baby was starving. They, they had been praying uh, for an angel to help them, and they wondered, are you an angel? because he showed up with the milk they had been praying for. So here's this guy going, God, this is crazy. I mean, do you think I'm insane? You know, this is just crazy, you know, just like most people would react. But sure. he kept kept doing it, and it was absolutely intended. But that's, that's well, I think, direct directions. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when you ask for a message or whatever, uh, usually it comes like that. It's not thou art my good and faithful servant and I'm proud of you or anything like that. It's, it's my God, it's something... are you, you think I'm insane? Do you really want me to do this? You know, <laughs> But if, if I have to prove that I'm listening to you, then I'll be insane. So, you know, we can all yeah. relate to that. Absolutely. 
And I, th- I think one of the things that, that quite often people will, will want God to prove he's there and by giving them lottery numbers or, you know, by, by giving them something they haven't earned or don't deserve. And those, it's, it's, it's not that God doesn't hear it. It's that God wants you to earn it, I think, um, for the most part. It depends on, I mean, he was asking for, for validation, and probably at that moment in time it was the most important thing to him so that he would carry on in that particular venue and direction for the rest of his life because I, I would not be surprised if he still doesn't tell that story and shake his head because, um, you know, you weren't set on messages like that often, but when if you follow through with it, the reward and and the depth of the faith that you get from it is profound. So, you know, it's it's it, it is amazing, and the more you look at the element of miracles, and especially in in these times when things are so crazy, um, you know, miracles do happen, and and I think. I think there should be a, a, a TV or a radio station that just reported the miracles, the you know the good things that happen to people, the the good deeds, the good news, the good news. Because there, there are some news stuff. programs now that will end with an upbeat story, so that's at least a step in the right direction. Absolutely, um, but you know, and you you mentioned animals. I I think animals have to be. Some of the most magical creatures out there, because for the most part, they respond to love, they respond to kindness in ways that that people don't. They they aren't really mistrusting the way people are, and they don't have a cruelty in them the way people do. So, you know, sometimes sometimes I I would prefer to be with my animals than with groups of people because I know I, I know my animals, <laughs> I, I know them better than I know the other people. But but I always get kindness. I always get love from them. And, you know, there's a, a wonderful bond there. And, you know, they, they have dogs that, um, I think you mentioned, that, that prisoners um, train and, and, and um, you know, help to get them to the point where the, the, the dogs can go into, on, into homes. There are... There are um, rescue shelters where children go in and read to the um, animals that have been abused so that they will become trusting again. And the kids just go in and sit on the floor. They don't try to, you know, get close to the cats or the dogs, whatever it is. And they sit there and read aloud to the, to the, to the animals. And after a time, the animals will get close to them and they will cuddle up to them and they will go to sleep because the child is giving love, is, is giving tenderness. And, those are and it also works in the other direction because there are traumatized children who will open up with the animals. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've even seen it with autistic children. They, they become more relaxed and more at ease and often... Um, often uh, become much better with dealing with people. Um, look at the therapy uh, animals that you know that people in wheelchairs have and stuff like that. Their lives are made so much better, so much richer because of the companionship they've got, and that means that they interact more and better with the people that are around them. So, I don't know what the world would be if we didn't have pets. I really don't. Um, um, There's certainly an absolute positive. Uh, aspect to our lives, no doubt about it. Absolutely. But miracles are, I think that was a great topic because I don't think people recognize the, the miracles that happen. You know, when you get an extra 20 miles out of a gas of, uh, a tank of gas that shouldn't have gone the extra 10 miles or 20 miles or whatever it is, those are miracles. <laughs> um, <laughs> Especially if you're but, far but away on a country road, right? Oh, my goodness, yes. Um, there have been times when I knew I should have stopped at that last gas station, but I didn't. And it was it's kind of like, just get me to where I need to go. Just get me to the gas station. Just help me get there because, and I promise I'll never be this foolish again. 
and it happened only once, but I, I got an extra probably 20 miles out of a tank of gas that was about as dry mm. as a bone because my gas tank only at full is at 17 gallons. Mm. And when when I filled my tank up that day, it went to 20. Mm. So the whole reserve tank was gone. Yeah, oh, everything was gone, yes. <laughs> when you're talking about usually... fumes, it's fumes. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. One more quick story, and this is one that's uh, locally here where where I live in western North Carolina, and somebody who is you know has become a friend. Um, she and her husband live on a big hill overlooking the Tuckasegee River, which flows through this area, and they they shared a well with their neighbors, and the water wasn't clear anymore, so they were really in need of you know some source of pure water. Well. There, her husband was out there on this steep incline with a friend uh, trimming trees, and he fell, and he tumbled down, and he fell into a spring with beautiful, clear water. And oh it was my. enough to, to uh, you know, supply their house. Um, and then sometime after that, she was walking through Walmart, and she saw a statue of um, the Virgin of Guadalupe, and she thought mm-hmm. about the magical spring, and so she bought it and, and put it in a little sheltered area over the spring. And the miracles continued because not only was the water absolutely pure, but this statue, which, which had just painted eyes, would open and shut its eyes. And many people saw it. I think I interviewed maybe a, close to a dozen people who had seen this phenomena happen and uh, oh my! I know that sounds you know quite unbelievable, and yet very. I mean, even a. I mean, all sorts of people, different ways of life, you know, went to this place. It was not easy to get to. I counted the steps. It's sixty steps down a steep incline to get to where the spring is. But um, uh, that's kind of one of our local miracle stories. Well, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 again. Element of love. Um, I I can't think of a miracle that that I have heard of or, or seen that didn't have love connected to it. It's just um, it's the love of the infinite. It's the love of the people. It's the love of the animals. There's that element that that draws where it, where it's needed, and and helps to manifest whatever is appropriate for that moment in time. A, it's a, this was a great topic, Mary. You 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 came up with a real good one here. Let me end with but, something really really short. Um, okay. Everybody's heard of Steve Jobs, um, uh, you know the computer expert. And when yeah. he died, his um, sister uh, spoke, you know, at his memorial service. And his sister told him that the last words that he spoke. He looked at his wife and then the children, and he looked beyond them, and he uttered, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow, and then he died. <laughs> so whatever he was seeing at that last moment in his life, you know, had to be spectacular. I would say so. And and that's I, I coming from the Apple the Apple computer guy. There, it's not exactly the, the guy you would expect to be wowing about, you know, something in the unseen heavenly realm which makes it an even better story <laughs> absolutely well, I if will... it was you know, some priest you know it wouldn't you know be nearly as impressive no, no. Well, i'll hunt up that story about the speech stopping the uh the bullet because i know it's out there i'll spend some time and i'll get it to you but i want to okay. thank you again for being with me again and uh I look forward to to checking in with you next month and see what we can't come up with to amaze and enlighten people. Okay. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. My delight. My delight, absolutely. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Wish you all a good evening. And uh, check out Mary's website. It's uh, Skyships Over Cashiers. It is a profoundly wonderful website and one that everybody should read through at least once a week. Good night now.